Hi, everyone. This is the second part of our conversation with Dr. Clint Haycock of the MindShift podcast. If you didn't hear part one last week, why don't you just listen to the whole thing at the same time at MindShift Podcast. Just look it up right now and you can listen from beginning to end. If you already heard it, well, here is the second half. You know, trying to peel back these layers over years that you had to do and I had to do. Did mm. you lose friends? Did you, you know, what was all that? What was the repercussions? Yeah, I certainly lost family members and friends. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we had a huge community. The church that we were plugged into in the UK over here when we first moved, we kind of got roped into going but then we stayed for about three and a half, four years because a lot of the people were absolutely wonderful. They really were. They welcomed us in, kind of restored our faith in Christians and humanity a little bit. Because remember, I was saying we came over here, I was completely burned out. I didn't want to have anything to do with church or Christians. But they took us in. They were really loving. They helped us get started, gave us furniture and helped us find a place to live. I mean, they did a lot That's for nice. us. That's mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. And so I thought, okay, I, I might be able to do this. You know, I could actually get back on the horse again. But then when we finally left that church, pretty much everybody ghosted us, except for there's one family, one couple that still occasionally comes and visits us or messages, you know, on Twitter or Facebook. But that's it. All the rest of them have just moved on. And, you know, we were super close to so many people, you know, and I only have one relationship with one sister my sister Valerie oh. were the only ones of, out of all my sisters that talked to us. My mom and I, we haven't talked in years, you know, so all that's gone. It's done now. And that's wow. the, the fallout for what you get, I guess, for walking away. And, you know, again, back to the irony of how unlike who they're supposed to be following, yeah. you know, it's not lost on anyone, but there's always those damn loophole verses that they'll use, you know, yep. don't be yoked with unbelievers, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, I've seen this vitriol even worse with Trump. There's such a demarcation mm-hmm. now between especially evangelicals, conservative evangelicals, and how just, again, like you said, they're just find shit on everyone now. Yeah. And I don't, yeah. One of my questions was, is always like, what do they picture the world like if they're able to get the message to everybody and everybody is part Mm -hmm. of the church? What What do they they picture life like? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's why I'm I'm fascinated by this whole thing of dominion theology. Mm -hmm. Why I started getting into it because the basic storyline is that they believe that Christians should have dominion over the world. They should be in charge. And that is a divine mandate from God himself. And that's what they're working toward with all the political stuff. And so for the last four years, they believe that Trump was going to help them achieve dominion. They were Mm -hmm. going to establish a theocracy. That's what they want. And so 
you don't want to be living in a theocracy. That's that's the worst <laughs> thing. Every time there's been one in history, it's been a a horror show. It's been a dystopian existence, and that's what they're looking to to accomplish in America and around the world as well. So that's why I'm warning people about what what's going on because these prophets, you know, they're part of that whole movement as well. So hopefully I'm alerting people to what they're doing. It's all part of this dominion sort of mandate that they think they're living out and Trump's helping them achieve. And so, Trump, yeah, it's crazy stuff. Yeah. So Trump obviously couldn't care a rat's ass. You know, uh, Bishop, yeah. is it Harry Jackson Jr.? So he has his spiritual advisors. You've got Paula yeah, Kane, who White. supposedly... Yeah. Uh, helped him become a Christian. And I ha- I wrote an article on her for Jezebel when she first started popping up. Um, mm-hmm. Because she led the prayer uh, when Trump had his only presidential inauguration. So <laughs> Unless he gets in in 2024. Well, you know, no. oh it's going to happen. Um, uh. But he, uh, Paula White... Then you've got Jackson, um, and then you have Bonnie and I's former pastor, who is one of Trump's right-hand... Oh, really? Yep. Spiritual people. Showing up at all the super spreader events. Yeah. And, you know, and he blocked me. um, But, yeah, I asked him, you know, hey, kids are in cages. Anyway, uh, so you have these spiritual leaders. They get their picture taken with them in the Oval Office all the time. This Harry Jackson passed away. We don't know if it was COVID-related or what. Trump hasn't said a damn thing. He doesn't care about these people. He does not care. He wanted the votes. They brought him the votes. And that's going to be it. Well, and he delivered. it It was a transactional relationship. So he delivered on his promises, which was to appoint numerous conservative judges yep. on many, many levels of, of the federal benches, as well as obviously Amy Coney Barrett was the final one. And then he's also delivered on promises like um, outlawing trans people in the military, you know, stuff like that. Right. The Evangelical Advisory Board, they were behind that executive order, you know. So he's delivering on the promises he made to them in exchange for their votes and their support. So it's, well, a, it's a win-win as they both sides, as both sides see it. Well, yeah. and he kept saying after, you know, after the, the numbers started trickling in for Biden, well, like, I'll take this to the Supreme Court. Like, he could just go there yeah. and all Knock the people he's stuck in there will go, hey, oh, Amy. this will be fine. This will be fine. Yeah. You're, you're the winner. What are you talking about? <laughs> Throw all this stuff out. Yeah, like you could just go to the Supreme Court. You don't right. just go. Show up. <laughs> yeah. Show up and file your suit. I mean. It's got to work its way up all the levels, and it's being rejected roundly, level by level, state by state. It's a joke. He's he's yeah. lost what thirty eight cases nationwide. Yeah, yeah, and some are They've so random. So, yeah. for your listeners, uh, we've said it on our podcast. So, Bonnie and I also grew up in. I wouldn't say walking distance, maybe bike riding. If our parents ever let me uh, leave, you know, my driveway. <laughs> Um, uh, I'm walking my bike. I'm just walking my bike. <laughs> yeah. Of Mar, yeah, <laughs> probably about two miles. Not riding from Mar-a-Lago. 
you would cross the bridge. So we lived on the other side of the bridge. I want to make that clear. The wrong side of the bridge? Right. Correct. (laughs) Um, And it used to be owned by the posteress of the cereal post. Right, right. And she had like these broken bottles. Remember that, Bonnie? Yep. She had these big concrete walls and on the top there were... Chunks of glass. Shards of broken glass. Yeah. So no one would. Keep the intruders out. Yeah. So my brother one day had post raisin bran and he poured a bowl (laughs) and there wasn't a a raisin in it. So he thought he's going to write Mrs. Post. Yeah. There's supposed to be one raisin per bowl at least. At least. (laughs) He was robbed. He writes Mrs. Post and (laughs) three weeks. Later, she dies, and he, cool. in his child mind, thought he did that. So, of course, I'm Your like, letter caused this. Could you write Trump, please? Write Trump. Uh, um, get all your brother quick. Yeah, but so there was this whole um, situation that uh, Trump he he's always suing. And in Palm Beach County, he was always suing, and he actually either formed or became part of this, you know, we don't like noise group of assholes because Mm. he had been trying to sue the Palm Beach International Airport because their flight plan always went over Mar-a-Lago before it turned to go their own direction. Right. Over the Bothering water. his guests, right. Yeah. So he and said it, it shook the tiles on the roof or <laughs> right. his dentures. Something was, he was upset. <laughs> yeah. He had this multi-million dollar lawsuit that's been going on for 25 years. And he never won it. And someone said, the only way you're not going to have, you know, flights over your house is if it's protected airspace. Well, there's uh, only one way that can happen, oh, and he God. has it. It all comes together. Yeah. So, you know, I'm like, that's a conspiracy, or is it because he's such an asshole? I don't know. It's not like he knows what he's doing. He, You know, he walked into the White House and didn't know that he needed to bring his own staff, and, you know. Um, yeah. But, that's yeah. The, that's his end game. That was his end game all this whole time. <laughs> Could be. Just to I'm get the sure flight pattern. Could yeah. be. So I'm sure of it. He dropped that lawsuit, obviously. <laughs> so, okay, back to... i never heard that story. Back to who you want to punch. Um, oh, yeah. Or just who you dislike or, or whatever. Who are your top three? Let's do everyone. Top three. Oh, man. My top three. Well, Kenneth Copeland, I think, has risen to the top of the list <laughs> because... The guy's fingerprints are all over all these crazy prophets and prophetic ministries that have been saying all this wacky stuff. I mean, did you catch the whole manic laughter thing that he did? Yeah. I mean, that was just... That was creepy as shit. Disturbing. I mean, it was just Mm -hmm. horrifying, chilling, you know, and trying to blow COVID away. And why does this guy still have a voice? I, I don't understand how he has any credibility left. And yet, there he is. He's got his own private jet, his own private runway, his mega mansion out behind his house. He's got a runway. I mean, come on, really? He's worth he's worth between three hundred and seven hundred and sixty million dollars personally. Uh-huh. That's how much money he has in the bank. 
and so people are listening. That's what I want to know. Like, so you yeah. think, in my mind, I would think he just has his maybe dwindling and aging followers. But maybe. you're saying that, no, he actually is still an influence on others. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. he's got all these, they appear to be like news shows. He's got right. the Believer's Voice of Victory. He's got, um, what is it called? Flashpoint. Yeah, flashpoints. That's right. Um, like our youth group names, impact. Yeah, and there's another one, America. Amer- I want to say America first, but right. it's something else. But he's got these. They seem like news programs, but they're actually from a Christian point of view. And it turns out they're all part of the Kenneth Copeland Ministries. He's got churches that he has pastors in, installed in. So he's got this guy George Pearsons, who's his son-in-law. He's married mm. to his oldest daughter, Terry Copeland. You know, and so this is another church in Texas. I mean, he's got he's got his fingers in so many pies. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable how much money he's raking in off of his empire. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's he's on the list for sure. He's probably the top one, one of the top okay. ones. Yeah. And then I would say Paula White Kane. Yeah. And then um, Dutch uh, Dutch Sheets. Have you heard of him? No. I just oh, thought that that was what? like a That's... brand. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a it product. Like, <laughs> right. It's not a product. Uh, Dutch Sheets. Yeah, he's a Seven Mountains Dominion, uh, one of these apostles, prophets. And he, oh my God, it's. I've been following his story. So about a week after the election, maybe less than a week, he decided that he needed to take a prophetic trip to the headwaters of the Allegheny River in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And he, while the election was still in play in, Phil, in Pennsylvania... And he dug a hole by the riverbank and he buried a bunch of magical items and prayed over it, expecting somehow the effects to flow down the river. I mean, I'm not making this up. He did this. I mean, and he's on YouTube talking about his trips to Pennsylvania and how he was praying and interceding and proclaiming a Trump victory. And he buried all this stuff by the riverbank. I mean, what the hell is going on here? You know? Yeah. And then Carl Lentz, I think, is my third one who's just recently made the list. Uh, for, you know, I found out he lied to this woman and misrepresented himself. And he sounds like a complete douche in the way he's gone about <laughs> yeah, this. You know, yeah. he really does. He's an asshole. Totally. And yet he's Just getting away with it. Word. I mean, now this is the thing. He's They sold their house in New Jersey for $1.5 million about 10 days before he was officially fired. So mm. that makes me suspicious. Totally. That he, mm. he must have had a heads up. Oh, for and sure. And now they're living in Southern California, $16,000 a month rental property. They're paying sixteen grand a month. So they're living large in SoCal on the beach. And he's not, you know, he's lost his job, but obviously he's not hurting. Well, because you know, so Bieber can just, you know, seriously, yeah. I'm sure Justin Bieber will be like, I've struggled with that too, brother. You're well, no, Bieber unfriended him. Did this he? This is the big shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's not he a believer. He unfriended him on Instagram. Shocking. <laughs> That's what? our version. So, yeah. Oh, my God. He, that may have been his biggest loss as he lost the Beeb. God. So, Bieber's dumped him, at least for now. Right. So that may be his biggest, you know, issue. So those are my top three. And that's the thing. Like, in Christianity, you do get to revive yourself. Yeah, he'll lay low for a while. Yes, and then you've got a good testimony. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Because Bonnie and I were like, we never had a good testimony, you know? 
yeah. people getting up like I have no arms because I <laughs> yeah. did drugs and you're just like that's great and now I want a good testimony Carl Lenz yeah. will have one yeah. so what's your top three then what do you what names you come up with for Karen me it would be uh, Clint Haycock um, <laughs> let's see <laughs> I think I've got to put at the top Franklin Graham. Oh, yeah. He just has too much influence, Samaritan's Purse, people. Christmas boxes. Yeah. So people, our neighborhood takes that on to do um, goodwill by packing these boxes that'll help the homeless or the poor, whatever's happening. And I'm like, Anything with an ulterior motive can Mm -hmm. go fuck itself. Like even, you know, if I as an atheist was going out and saying, here's a toothbrush, but you can't believe in anything. I just don't (laughs) like that. I don't like it. Uh, I think Franklin Graham, because he's so hard into things, Sean Foyt is it. So I've been going after him. Um, I mean, I'm sure he's really scared of my tweets (laughs) since I have, you know, so few followers. He's really nervous. But um, it's just because you're not putting out any commercial product like singing. That's right. Yeah. There you go. So I did put him in. I put him in one article that went viral. I hopefully I'll have another article published. And he is such an asshole with his twirly yeah. little hair um, that it, it just frustrates me beyond all belief. But recently, because for people who don't know, he travels the states in his Airstream mm. and then does these huge gatherings of unmasked people where they sing his songs over and over Um, And he thinks that's what the world needs and that's what America needs is that we're going against the Constitution by shutting down churches and singing. And this is his way. When he went to the the, where where George Floyd was murdered, that was the biggest one that got me, wasn't it? Yes. Minneapolis, was it? Um, Yeah. Did a concert on the almost on the spot where George George Floyd got murdered by the cops. I mean, and he did optics, it, man. Yeah. Shocking. And it was so loud that the the local DJs who were black doing their own thing in the street stopped because he was overpowering the yeah. volume, blowing them out with his yeah. long blonde locks. But um, he was just yeah. In uh, <laughs> Rolling Stone, called him a super spreader. Yeah. So he's now made T-shirts that people can get. It's like oh, super spreader that. for Jesus, uh-huh. and yeah, <laughs> super spreader for Jesus. Yeah, I'm telling oh, you. So and Sean Foy, one, yeah. two. Um, I think it might be a certain pastor who has been radicalized. Um, Jack Graham. Jack Graham. He's out no of relation to Billy Graham. Then no, believe it or not, Graham mm. is just an unfortunate name. Teddy Grahams, <laughs> them, uh, but he is our former pastor. He's been radicalized, and what he says and what he tweets now is not what we knew. 
And, mm. you know, I just, it, it's, I could get, I'm going to cuss. I'll pass it on to Pawnee. <laughs> it's just money and power. Yep. Right. Yep. He's celebrity status. Yeah. Um, mine, my, my main guy that I find really the saddest is Jerry Falwell Jr. Um, because, yeah. well, I mean, he's just, it's the it's the whole American thing of, oh, my dad established this business. I'm going to go into it. And clearly he's not into the heart of any of the bullshit that they're <laughs> that they're spreading yeah. at Liberty University, like fining kids for breaking the moral codes when he's clearly more interested yeah, flaunting in flaunting it. And yeah. And and watching his wife have sex with the pool attendant guy. I totally believe mm-hmm. that that's true. It's just, yeah. he's just like, Hey, here's another industry where I can make money because it's handed to me on a plate. He just seems mm-hmm. like a super phony. By the way, when I was yeah. in Miami recently, I drove by the hostel and you wouldn't have a clue that there was a hostel there. It's just, right. it's this little bungalowy kind of area right next to a parking lot and explain um, for what? listeners oh yeah okay. the hostel yeah. is so jerry and his wife met this pool attendant at the fountain blue hotel and somehow mm-hmm. they struck up a relationship a friendship where they always yes. traveled together and he gave them like some kind of million dollars to invest and he invested it in a hostel that has uh, a very close proximity to the party scene in Miami Beach, which is a lot of um, drinking and drugs and LGBTQ population. And uh, so that just goes against everything that Liberty University is about. Mm-hmm. And did yep, you super read shady. Super mm-hmm. shady. Um, yep. Why yeah. on earth are you giving somebody you don't know that well that much money? Yeah, they're just trying to help know. them out. Come on, it they're just, just being good Christians. That's what they do, seems, isn't it? Yeah, but he, it just <laughs> yeah. seems like he wants to live a life other than what he's living, and that, and it's just a way yeah. to make money. And he did, um, yeah. And he established a football presence at Liberty University, which yes. is just weird. Christians well, should so not play more, football yeah. that well. <laughs> well, and there's so much. Even even him getting fired from Liberty was only because they yeah. finally. Buckled under the pressure, but they had been right. ignoring so many things yeah. for so many years. But he ran like a personality cult there. They yeah. were afraid of him, sort of like Trump. Him and Trump have a lot of similarities in the way they, they run their business in their country. You know, yeah. they, they've just bullied people into submission and they're afraid to speak out. So yeah. he got away with murder for years there. He should have been sacked years ago. Totally. Anyway, so you got you got um, yeah. So Falwell, just Falwell because Jr. he's completely phony. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I I resent the hell out of the fact that Jim Baker is still around. <laughs> I love to hate oh, Jim, Jim Baker. Baker. Pizza buckets. <laughs> oh, that I want yeah. a pizza bucket. I know because yeah. does nobody realize he's just selling shit? It's just about the money. Yeah. Colloidal silver and all sorts of bullshit. So, yeah, yeah one so, of my f- <laughs> favorite so things, yeah. Clint, if you have not watched the Jim Baker show where Paula White is on with yep. her husband. I've seen it. And singing Don't Stop Believing. Don't Stop but Believing. they changed the words. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's just I painful to watch. I can't get past the fact that they know that they are tricking people who aren't smart. 
Yeah. And that's that makes me angry. In the yeah. name of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so you got my, Jim Baker. Who's the third one then? I'm going to go uh, uh, off <laughs> off a little bit and go with Scott Bayo. <laughs> what? Good. Good. Chachi. Right. That's What's right. He, what did he do? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, that I just can't think of a third one. And Scott Bayo not well, being invited to, to the Happy Take Days mine. reunion <laughs> makes me so happy. Because he's a big, yeah, Republican. Yeah. Well, I had take, take mine, yours, which would be yours. which would be Greg Locke. Like he's just say, yeah. so he's another one mad at everyone. And I oh, that's s- the angry car guy. He'll yeah. sit in his car and just videotape himself, ranting <laughs> in the car. Right. And I'm so upset that he has so many followers. Like that kind yeah. of thing makes me mad. That people are like, this guy is irate. He said he almost punched. Um, the worker at Dunkin' Donuts for wearing a mask, and people are like, I'm going to follow him. I'm like, ah. Yeah, he's the anti-mask pastor who yeah. just came out. He, he had a major affair, didn't he, with his yes. um, with his a- assistant? Yeah, well, that was his, it, was, it was his yeah. wife's best friend. Oh, and it was even his grosser. Assistant. So he he divorced his wife and married the assistant yes. lady he was having yeah, yeah he was we, having the affair with. Uh, we knew that, but yeah. like I don't know if the affair you know has been um, documented, proven, etc. But it's pretty obvious. Yeah. And then if you saw any pictures, it used to be he and this current wife. And I hate to say, but that current wife always looks scared, like. Hmm. She has a yeah, scared you be look. Scared? And now it's just He's him. An angry, ranting man sitting in his right. car. And, and he how, thinks, how is this guy a pastor? You know? I know. Yeah, and exactly. he's in he's right near where I am, and I don't know anyone who likes him. So I think it's more of a social media following. Because mm-hmm. I don't think his church is that big. And they're mm-hmm. all accounts that he's created. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Right. <laughs> but he's got a huge Twitter following. I, I looked at his Twitter feed the other day. Yeah, he's sitting in his car ranting about, Man. we're not going to take this anymore. We're sick to death of, you know, you people, liberal me- media, and telling us we got to wear masks and all this. And, yeah, so, yeah, that's his that's his game, isn't it? Yep, yep. Just well, joke's going to be on him when every old elderly person is dead and isn't giving to the Jim Bakers and the Kenneth yeah. Copelands of the world anymore. Yeah. Who's going to buy his pizza buckets? Who's going to – I just keep thinking, like, is the new generation that's coming up, you know, what are they going to do? Are well, they going to get these A people – aren't they? Yeah. But are they going to, like, are they going to buy this bullshit anymore? But that's the thing, you know, look at a guy like Carl Lentz. You know, he was a he was a hipster pastor. That was the thing about him. He was cool. He was hip. He was setting fashion trends. Everybody at Hillsong's New York bought, bought the fedora hat that he used to wear. You know, the skinny jeans. I mean, it's ridiculous. They did a whole piece on, I can't remember, Salon might have been a couple of years ago about uh-huh. how he's a trendsetter and all the people that are really on the inside line, they copied his fashion style at the church and right. part of it was this hat that he used to wear all the time you know and he's gone down in flames apparently <laughs> at this point so are these people going to walk out i don't know or are they going to double down maybe yeah yeah i mean uh. that's that's what is fascinating and 
Um, what I was just doing research on recently for something is the people who are leaving church because of their stance on COVID and masks. Mm-hmm. And so you have that. You have, you know, all these charlatans uh, coming out more. But yep. they are, they're all moving to parlor or parlay, which mm-hmm. I've looked in. Um, and it's horrifying. And yep. they are starting to grab on to the QAnon stuff, yeah. probably mostly because they know they can ride that, that Absolutely. insanity. Well, yeah, we did a bunch of episodes, I did an episode on that. We did a bunch of research on QAnon. It's basically like an updated version of the satanic panic back in the, in the 80s. Ah. It's just that now you've got the internet and it's like you say, it's spreading like wildfire among evangelicalism, just like the satanic panic did. Back when I was a kid, I remember, you know, Procter and Gamble, you know, they were they were the devil because they had a logo on their their yeah. shampoo and their to- toothpaste. So the guy with the wizard with the thirteen stars, you know, <laughs> yeah, I remember it's that. It's just unbelievable. Too. You're washing your hair with the devil if you're using Head and Shoulders, you know. Yeah. And oh it's all gosh. coming around again. And the evangelicals are one of the biggest spreaders of QAnon now since the lockdown. So oh, that's man. another thing to keep an eye on. For sure, yep. Yep, yep, it is. Well, I just... I don't know, I keep hoping we learn things, but it doesn't seem to be happening. No, we're getting getting dumber. Um, Well, Bonnie, let's make a note to listen to his QAnon ones for our research. Right. Mm. (laughs) We're not joking. That would be helpful. (laughs) That's a real thing. We're both like, oh, man, we got to dig into that, but, oh, that just seems overwhelming. We don't want to look at... Someone's already done it. Ah, there yeah, we go. We did it. Yeah, I did it with a friend of mine, Chris Shelton, who's an ex-Scientologist. So we had a really Ooh. good discussion about it. Yeah. So every time I, I want to talk about cult type stuff, I always hit up Chris because he comes out of that. What What's interesting about Chris is that even though he's an ex-Scientologist and I'm an ex-Evangelical, our backstories are very, very similar yes. as far as the cult sort of piece of, yep. of how it all worked. Mm-hmm. And that's how we kind of got together originally was talking about his experiences in Scientology, and I'm like, but that sounds like yeah. me growing up in fundamentalist Christianity. Why? But it's not. I didn't, you know, I wasn't raised a Scientologist. That shouldn't be, but yet it was. Yeah. So there, there you have it. Yeah. Well, when you mentioned that you hadn't talked to your sisters in years, I thought, yeah. well, that's not how it's supposed to be with just you know nice Christians. Yeah, you get shunned and everything. That's that's straight out of the cult playbook, isn't it? Right. Shunning yeah. is the last sort of thing. Uh, people who leave or get kicked out, they tend to get shunned, and then they're cut off from the community. So, you know, my, some of my sisters, that's what they did to me because, well, for one thing, my oldest daughter is gay, so that was a big thing. I was like, oh, well, that's it. He's lost because uh-huh. she's lost, you know. Yeah. So that was part of the, the shunning as well when she came out. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I get that, and I have people I don't talk to in my family um, who, you know, they changed into the whole Rama Bible College people, Mm -hmm. Uh, and, you know, when my mom was dying, they're like, she is not dying, and I'm like, "Uh, she's right there, she's, you know, you need to believe you don't have enough faith, you know, just that kind of situation. And then you just wow. realize, you know, you don't hear from them again after that. And like, okay, well, uh, I've got that in the family. And 
your whole essence. I mean, Bonnie had this less because Bonnie was a heathen in Hollywood. She was working. <laughs> and I have a very tiny family. Oh, right. Right. So, so she I was sometimes doing that. I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. You got but lucky there. You and I, Clint, were, you know, working in the, quote, church, I, me as a missionary. Yep. So it's like your entire essence is yeah, going to be identity. gone. Yeah. Who you are, how your brain works, because you're no longer praying under your breath consistently. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, just your dreams, your, uh, you know, everything you're going to do starts to change and you have to start, yeah, from just one little building block. Mm-hmm. And you don't yeah. even know what it is sometimes. So. Exactly. It's a different journey for every person, I think, because, yeah, all of our experiences are so different, aren't they? Even though you and I were raised in the church, we have a different journey. But I, I think you're right. It's educating yourself and figuring out, okay, who do I want to be? My whole identity was totally wrapped up in the religious aspect of everything. Yeah, you know, feeling guilty. I was tweeting this this morning about um, how I used to feel guilty for not evangelizing enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a constant anxiety of I've got to tell people about Jesus all everywhere I go. You know, my neighbors, my friends, my family, my coworkers. My God, it's just, and I don't have that anymore. <laughs> you know, it's so but it was huge. Did yeah. your mind wander during quiet time? Yeah, like yeah. all Ooh. of that. Watch out. All of Sinful the stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just constant, you know, um, yeah, guilt. And that's what is so fascinating, watching what the church is doing now, even in its move towards a progressive Christianity mm-hmm. where that can be seen as freedom but i want to say no that's st- if you are pledging your life to something or someone that's just not freedom it's the bottom line they're just trying is, yeah. to keep up with things so they get more people so they get more money and they continue and it's job security bonnie yeah. is all about the follow the money i'm all about <laughs> yeah. the earnestness of our stupidity so we usually meet in the <laughs> yeah. middle yeah, but the leaders medium. are the evil, <laughs> yeah. follow the money ones, and the followers well, yeah. are the, you know, the earnest well, ones. Well, money and power too, isn't it? It's power, the political yeah. power. Political, As you said, yep. your your ex pastor, he loves you know posing with Trump in the White House, Oval Office, wherever it is, and that is a huge ego stroke. Then he can go back to his congregation and mm-hmm. look. I was I was at the White House this weekend meeting with the president as a pastor. That's huge, man. Yeah, exactly. P.S. He's not poor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's money involved too. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, exactly. Yeah, Trump was smart because you know that our Southern Baptist pastor does not agree with prosperity gospel preached by mm-hmm. Paula White. Paula yep. White doesn't agree with, you know, Franklin Graham, who isn't, you know, trying to heal people of demons. So none of them have any dogma in common mm-hmm. except trump you know yeah. trump he just needs those votes and have people all that in aside, common who are yeah. giving them money right right sorry yeah. i will stop saying the same thing over <laughs> and over again so what's this about money then what? exactly have what? you downloaded money? tithely clint no i haven't 
So, yes, it's an app so you can tie to your church when you're not there. I will do that. Yeah, man. As soon as you finish this podcast episode, I know. I'm on it. <laughs> Quickly, cover, let's each say what our favorite episode of our own is so that listeners can maybe look those up if they were interesting or meaningful. I will Um, start. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I am still always thinking about the people from Oregon or who bought property in Oregon and followed mm-hmm. the the Indian guru guy and the yeah. they're called the Rajneeshpuram right yep. yeah i remember so, that antelope oregon yeah and yeah. because it was this dumb property that really wasn't used and it it kind of made sense on a small level to me. Like that's how it starts. You start buying property and then you have rights and then you buy the sheriff department or the police department. And then you start, you start running for government and Oh, guess what? Half the people there are in your cult. So they're going to vote for you. And then it just builds and builds and builds. And then that whole idea that they were accused or convicted, I'm not sure which one, of poisoning the local salad bars. They, yeah, the, they did with, in the Dalles, Oregon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They put like E. coli in the salad bars. Yeah, yeah, that they hid in yeah, their sleeves and they dumped yeah. it into like taco sauce. The, yeah, and so, they did. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, to me also in the being a fan of true crime, I always think, well, that is a crime that not enough people have gotten, you know, the idea to do. And I wonder why, because there's so many salad bars and (laughs) public. It's too easy. Now you did it. You just gave everyone ideas. (laughs) There's the idea. But I think one of the main reasons that one stuck with me is because I am absolutely convinced that there's a woman in that documentary it's a six-part documentary, and I can't remember what it's called right now. Wild Wild Country. Wild, yeah, it's on That's Netflix. the one. Yes. Yeah, I, so I watched it. There's a woman in there that I am convinced is a client of mine. And there's mm. absolutely no good way to say to a client, hey, by the way, were you in a cult <laughs> in <laughs> Oregon? Poison salad bar. <laughs> That's right. Do you like salad? Um, yeah, so let's go to just, salad. Yeah. <laughs> Let me check your sleeves first. So, uh, you know, I don't know at what point I'm going to be able to find this out, but I've got to figure out a way. Like, maybe Not she'll get angry at us and fire us. Yeah. Right. And I'll be like, hey, wait, wait, before you go. You're what number? <laughs> what number episode do you know? That was episode number 24. And I, I was a missionary in India and actually toured the ashram when they left Ooh. and were in India. Yeah. And... Um, it was Impressive. crazy. Yeah. And I love um, that you got to yeah. tell me that because before you had probably told me that and I was like, blah, blah, India. I have no idea what was going on there. So <laughs> it really suddenly important. Yeah. It was like, it was nice to have the stories. Yeah. You know, and from lived, so many years back. We lived around the people and I mean, they look drugged out, but they weren't. They were just all yeah. spacey walking around and maybe they were happy. Uh, I guess they were blissful. Yeah. That cult stare, isn't it? But, you know, back on your point about Antelope, Oregon, though, Bonnie, you think about that's basically what Bethel Redding has done to the town of Redding. You read my mind. I'm like, that's So I was just going to say that. That's exactly. They're moving into the political sector. They've basically taken over that town. People are afraid to speak out against the church. 
because people who aren't involved in the church because they have so much power in that city. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a cult that's operating out of Redding, California. I totally agree. Yep. Okay, my favorite episode, and Bonnie and I are realizing this now, is also a cult one. We did an episode in July, I think it's number 74, called Jesus 2.0, about the man in Siberia who claims to be Jesus. Oh, yeah. Um, He is now in prison, but... What? I'm shocked. I know, and... I'm going to shock you more. It had to do with cult sex. cult leaders always end up doing so well, <laughs> yeah, typically. It had to do with sex, which... Uh, I can't believe that either. That, yep. So I am fascinated with that. And I think it does go back. One, the houses that they lived in and built were adorable. So I yes. do love that part. But it goes back to how does this start? And how do mm. I get into this business? How yeah. do people follow you up to the point that you're like, you can only drink juice, not water. If you can't afford juice, drink your urine. Like, where <laughs> is it in your mind that is like, I've bought into everything. I'm buying into yeah. that. I don't. Absolutely. Fascinating. It's the cult psychology. I'm fascinated by it, too, that you find people doing the craziest stuff. But it's it's. A, a long progression, isn't it? They yeah. don't come in on day one and say, okay, you're joining a cult and you're going to be drinking your own urine. Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> you know, it's a it's process. It's a very long progression. Yeah, breaking them down and establishing mind control and undue influence and all the stuff that goes on inside a cult, isn't it? But who was the guy who was telling your friend Jeff something like, I'm going to sell God? And then sure enough, he decided to, and now he's making a oh, lot of yeah. money and doing it. Casey it's, Treat. Yeah, yeah. He's got a big mega church in Seattle. He started at the high school that I went to, the Christian high school, in the gymnasium. And he's yeah. he's a mega, mega prosperity gospel guy out of Seattle. But he physically said, or he literally said to your friend, I'm going to sell God. Yeah. Hey, kid. Hey, kid. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you want to know how to make a bunch of money? Sell God. Absolutely true. That's and yeah, I'm. We're now seeing so much more that cult-like following as we see the evangelical church turn towards this Trumpist dominionism stuff. Even in the cult of personality, yeah. And that HBO documentary told us how to get started. You know, the Keith Raniere thing. Next thing, Mm -hmm. so now we all have a playbook. There That's you go. Right. I'm starting it. So what is your <laughs> yep. favorite, most fascinating thing you did for your podcast? Well, I think one of my favorite episodes, probably not, still my favorite one, is the one that I did with my sister Valerie mm-hmm. going back about three years yeah. ago now. I think it's number 45. Um, you can find them, way, the archive ones, either on my website or on my uh, Podbean feed. I've got all the older episodes in there. But we talked and it's about on Spotify in a... Yeah, yeah. It is on Spotify as well, but I don't yep. know if it has the older episodes. But that episode, I still get people who hear who listen to that episode and say that that they it brings them to tears because hearing my sister's story about having to give her baby up for adoption, it's just a mm-hmm. cr- my parents were just cruel, just absolutely cruel in the way the whole thing went down, all in a Christian context, mm-hmm. supposedly loving context. You know, forcing her to give up her baby 
and how she's slowly over the decades really rebuilt her life. That was a shattering experience, you know, and um, it's it's a really powerful story. So that's probably one of my top all-time favorite ones that I've ever done. It's yeah. so good. That one broke my heart. There's absolutely nothing funny about it, and I loved how honest she was and how she yeah. was able to talk to you about it, and that was really brave, I think, of both of you. And Bonnie yeah, and was that's... telling me about it, and I haven't listened yet. I will, you know, get in tears about it, I'm sure. Yeah. But the uh, the details, you know, it, it is mm-hmm. fascinating and so, you know, we can hear these stories that are so foreign, yet we grow up and almost all of us know of someone, you know, mm-hmm. who had to go through these terrible things. Yeah. Yes. So, that especially happened with people parents. we know. Yeah. 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 And now it gives me a little bit more of an idea of what they were going through. Yeah. Well, and that's why I think it's so important to uh, find help with religious trauma syndrome. I've done a bunch of episodes with people like Dr. Marlene Winnell and other people who are experts on RTS. And I think that's hugely important because, first of all, you got to identify what the traumas have been in your life religious trauma specifically and then you've got to work through that and you some some people really need therapy and counseling i mean mm-hmm. i've had it yeah and it's you know you need to bounce it off someone who knows how to process it how you, you know how to help you process through it i guess is what i'm trying to say so it's really important for some people to get therapy do you have because i'm still doing our website but that's one thing i want to put up is resources i know that there's a like religious institute of therapy or i said that all wrong um, <laughs> yeah. i know a few therapists i've connected with on social media and the deconversion thing do you have any resources if people are looking for that on your website um, not on the website, but I would say one of the best ones is the Recovering from Religion. So the RFR, I think it's RFR.org. I think that's the, the website because they can, and this, the Secular Therapy Project, that's another part of the okay. RFR because if you need a therapist, they can find you one who will meet you, you know, online, Zoom, Skype call, whatever. If you're in Oklahoma and they're in South Africa, it doesn't matter Nowadays, we can just do a Zoom call or a Skype call. Right. You know, so they put people in touch. And the RFR, they have uh, support groups and counselors for people who are struggling and coming out of religion, recovering from religion is exactly what it sounds like. And so um, my friend, I've got a friend who hosts a group, I think every Saturday night, just, you know, five, six, seven people. They just meet on, on Zoom every Saturday and they're just a support group as part of this RFR group. That's cool. I have recommended the clergy project yeah, some, to one. some people. That's for definitely for people still in or maybe after uh, who were pastors or any kind of minister who lost their faith because a lot of them come out and they have nothing that they feel they can do either. They don't have training for anything else. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, a lot of people have no skills, do they? Marketable skills. Right. Yeah, well, that was the- something I noticed in the entertainment industry, too. They hang on to those jobs, you know, with all their might, because what can you do? You can't take your background in entertainment and go, I'm going to go work in Missouri in entertainment. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not. Unless so, it's in Branson. 
Yeah. <laughs> but I'm There's one place they might get a gig, you know. Oh, man. Talk about Jim Baker. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, yeah, that's very true, you know, that they, they're just their people and they need help. And whether they're clergy and especially my heart breaks for these kids who are LGBT, who are yep. getting kicked out of their houses younger than they should can mm-hmm. can you know maneuver yeah. the world? Oh yeah, yeah. They're getting booted out on the streets because their parents can't handle it. Yeah, it happens a lot in the, the Mormon community as well, from what I understand. Wow, because officially their right. doctrine is you know a gay person cannot go to heaven, and so these kids are growing up in these Mormon households and they're hearing this doctrine and they're like, uh, kids have committed suicide within the LDS church, mm. gay, gay teens. I mean, that is just unbelievably sad and traumatic, isn't it? It's very. It's heartbreaking. And we've had a lot of uh, ministers, you know. We've seen big-name ones. I knew of a youth minister where I am, you know, committing suicide. And yep. in the back of my mind, I'm always, were they struggling with guilt of porn addiction, LBGT, you know, yep. those main ones that really make them feel distant. You have to keep it a secret. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Living a double life, you know. Totally. Sad. Yeah. That's well, this has been great talking to you. I'm sure you feel the same. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> I doubt it. But it really, uh, it's great to have someone else, you know, that's doing such good work that we can point people to and be like, you know, look look at his library of things that he's recorded that might resonate with what you're going through or worried about or need to know more about. Yeah. Yeah, and are not as um and are more of a deep dive into serious issues. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, and that's something uh, if people want to subscribe to my YouTube channel as well, because I've recently been organizing it into categories like playlists. So I'm trying to put episodes in what I think they fit in terms of categories. So if you want to find I need to talk about religious trauma syndrome or cult education, you can just go to that playlist and that's easier to find instead of scrolling through, you know, a couple hundred episodes from the past. So I think I'm going to keep doing that and try to get that more and more organized. Yeah, give us all the places people can find you. The best way, you can follow me on Twitter at MindShift2018. You can also look up the MindShift Podcast Facebook page, or you can go on YouTube and look up MindShift Podcast and subscribe to my channel. Very nice. Will do. And we're... um, we're most often on Instagram, that seems to resonate, deconversion therapy. Um, you just type that into Twitter, too. And then Facebook, we have, you can follow the podcast, but you can join the community. And we sort of screen it. You have to answer questions because we don't want to have people sneaking in, making mm-hmm. our members feel bad about themselves. Yep. So it's got to be a safe place. Isn't it? I can't exactly. believe I'm a member of a dog group on Facebook <laughs> and people go in there and shit on people. <laughs> like you guys. Really? It's, it's a dog Facebook group. I know. Yeah. Politics, <sighs> man. Everywhere, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Trolling. So that's great. I think, you know, 
people go find uh, all the places that you're at and subscribe because I really like the work that you're doing and appreciate it. Though I'm bummed that you're not, you don't have a British accent because my <laughs> British accent is so good. Spot on. My daughter does, though. She's really interesting. So, oh, that's cute. Yeah, she's picked it up over the years. But she was only like 10 or 11 when we moved here. So, yeah, she's picked it up a lot. But none of the rest of us have one. Yeah, you don't at all. You didn't. No. You didn't go Madonna. I didn't, but I have a lot of the. Well, I I use a lot of the British slang though. Yeah, that's the thing. I notice that when I go back to the states, I'll use a lot of British slang, and people will be like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> what they they don't know because that's just how we speak here, you know. So, I, I find it funny when I go back and people don't know this the British slang as opposed to the American slang. Right. Yeah. My husband's Australian. Lived in Australia. And so I have to ask, when you were going to church um, in the UK, did they do those weird coffee breaks? Coffee breaks? During church? No, we did them after, like typical church. You know, you sit in the back and you have your fellowship time. And you just stand around awkwardly with cups of coffee. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Like Mr. Bean. That's what it always, you know, (laughs) ill-fitting suits. Getting yeah. your sugar cube. Yeah, Australia did that too. And But they would sometimes break. They would like do singing and then break. All right. We and they go coffee. back to church? You just go in the big like hall and then you go back and sit in church. I guess you wow. could escape then. That's so, that's I was going to say, say that so people can leave early. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could duck Damn out it. the back door. Exactly. Didn't think <laughs> Amazing. of that. We have to definitely do this again, though, sometime in the future. Yeah, let's let's find one person, and we both can just take them down. Uh, we'll I'm sure just, nobody will do anything. <laughs> Bonnie yeah. and I will just hurl insults while you do all the heavy lifting of. It. Sounds like a plan. Okay, I'm in. Plan. Let's do it, and we'll see everyone next week. Good talk. All right. Yes. Thanks, ladies. See you. I'll see you again. Thanks. Yeah.